Hello and welcome to Deb Zeta Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings Podcast Network. Today I'm lucky enough to have two co-hosts and a very special guest. The first co-host is the host of Calling All Beings, DJ. And the second is Matthew Roberts, who's the former United States Navy um, vet, who is an experiencer and author of Initiated UAP, Dreams, Depression, Delusions, Shadow People, Psychosis, Sleep Paralysis, and Pandemics. Very long, but very important title. Our guest today is Shane, also known as Old Vet Symposium. He's been attending UFO conferences, raising money for the nonprofit Wounded Warrior Project, and podcasting about the phenomenon on the Roswell UFO Symposium, which he co-hosts, and of course others like The Mind Escape. He has also been on many Twitter talk spaces. He's an advocate for positive community efforts and a combat vet. <laughs> DJ's enthused about that, yes. Yes. And a combat vet and has served in the U.S. Air Force. He is also currently joining us from the UFO Congress, so we're going to definitely want to talk about yes. that. So welcome, everyone. Can I get a man? <laughs> yeah. You guys are all here. This is cool. I know. It's like a little party. Yes, it is. I was, little I'm sorry I was running late. Tech difficulties tend to follow me everywhere I go. Put your hands together. <laughs> yeah. So when you say that, do you mean like you set off machines with electrical issues and stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much. If, it, if, it's, if it's technology and it could go wrong when I'm utilizing it, it'll go wrong <laughs> for sure. Oh, no. You know, but that I shows need... consistency. It's a very positive trait. That's true. I need a, a tech handler, actually. So. <laughs> I was actually asking, so I met Jordan Flowers here and uh, Awake While Sleeping and Jenny. And so they've been helping me. I was like, man, I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> so they've I been just, helping me. I just saw Jordan like yep. this last weekend. That's so he was so nice. Yeah, he's cool. We actually we jumped on a scooter and a little Bluebird e-scooter and we went and had Chick-fil-A today. <laughs> <That's so cool. laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so, so I guess we should talk with, about the UFO Congress first, since that's where you are. Um, what, we might as well, huh? what went down today? So today I got to see uh, Micah Hanks. Um, there's a, well, start of the day was an experiencer kind of roundtable group where you get to tell your experience and listen to other people's, and then uh, from there it was kind of, uh, um, I'm gonna, oh Ben Ben Hansen was next, and he was talking about disclosure. Um, then it was Micah. And then it was another experiencer group round table. And then we got to what everybody was waiting for a moment of contact. So we got to watch that. And James, James Fox was there and Q and a afterwards. And it was, it was pretty, it was on point. It's really good documentary. So I really enjoyed it. And so far I have to say this, this has been a blast just because of the location and everyone's kind of staying at the hotel. Like I just had accidental dinner with Chrissy Newton and uh, Micah Hanks. I was sitting down at the bar and they were eating. And I, <laughs> So I sat down and we started talking UAPs. It was so much fun. Just literally the whole conversation, eating nachos and talking UAPs. So That's great, man. That's really cool. That's what this is all about, man. Yep. And how many days is the UFO Congress? Oh, not enough, but five. It's wow. almost like a vacation, though. It's, 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 it's nice. It's, uh, it's a little warm here. But, yeah, it's five days, and they split them up, and they have uh, 
different speakers going at different times. And so it's, you can kind of pick and choose like which ones you want to see and all that. I really enjoy the experience or stuff, getting to hear other people talk about their, th their stories and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I try to hit all those. Were you able to, did you feel like you were ready to share yours? I was probably overly ready. Cause I, really? <laughs> I'm at the point now that the, yeah, it's pretty easy for me to share. And then they're like, is anyone going to start? And typical, like everyone's and I was like, I'll go. Okay. <laughs> and then I started and then I got people going because a couple of people related to that. You know what? I've experienced, I've seen that. I'll go next. And then it just kind of started going around the room. Plus, I guess uh, I'm still on that wounded warrior high. So I'm feeling good. Well, that's wonderful. I'm because I've, I did, of course, some background research and I'm like, He's never talking about his experience. He just kind of like going on the outside of talking about it instead of just saying it. And and Matthew, by the way, is the opposite. He just tells, you know, <laughs> he just goes into it like it's in his book and everything. So, yeah. Um, so do you feel like uh, you felt like you had got some good support talking about it? I did. I, I felt like I did. But I, I think one of the things was, that would help me even now my, my, my psychologist was awesome. I even talked about the subject with her. I actually gave her, you, you guys, you and Ted, the resource, right? You know, and Avi Lowe, I'm just kind of pointing that stuff out. So she didn't lock me up, you know, give me a pill. And she was very mm -hmm. receptive. And I, so it was, it was super nice. And just that alone gave me a little more. I was like, you know, why don't you talk about your experience more? Because I really, you're right. I kind of stepped people, kept people around that, right? So, yeah, I'm ready to talk about all that today. Do you want to tell us? it's up to you um, yeah i'll talk about it okay go for so, it uh 2000 i want to say 2019 i think i left wounded warriors care for the last time i they put me in a uh facility 30 patient 30 days inpatient then another 30 after that i went back in for uh co-existing conditions so <laughs> after the war i had struggled pretty hard so 2010 i had got sick so i should probably point that out and uh i was sick between 10 and 18 and then i was kind of getting my grip back well, I left when Warriors Care, and then pandemic happened, just like that. Um, so here I am thinking I was going to be, oh, I've got this. And I was stuck at home doing nothing, just sitting inside, outside all day. And I live in uh, Washington State near the Hanford Nuclear Site. Uh, I started, my, my experience started with, so lights, essentially. But I'm not talking lights I've ever experienced before. So I could tell something would sweep across one eye to the other. So almost like a lighthouse, but you couldn't see it from the side. And it would come from different parts of the sky and that's how i'd notice it and i'd see it hit one eye go to the other so then i'd, I'd try to figure out where it's at and i couldn't find it and then it'd do the same thing and this was this repeated for a bit so then i got a camera or my phone and i'd sit outside all day trying to record this thing but that's a very difficult thing to record so sometimes i mean I re i've recorded so many hours and i'm sure if i went back there's there's a lot of stuff in some of those because i'd spend hours out there and then the less i paid attention to it the more it showed me whatever it was. Uh, I started, I'd be outside just kind of laying there. And one of the things I saw was a, uh, it's like someone lit a match. And then this flame just kind of dances up in the sky and it keeps going. And, I'm, and I've seen that twice now. I also saw it during a, I guess you would say, um, <clears throat> during a meteor shower, I think it was, Pleiades, is that the one, name of the meteor shower? It was not too long ago. And I, I saw the same thing then. That That flame progressed to, what I would call these self-contained lights that I couldn't really, you couldn't see any light coming from the outside, but you could see definitely something was lit up. Um, this thing would go across the sky, south, north, doesn't matter. 
but it, it go different heights. And so I'd say altitude would adjust. And every time it'd come back, it'd be something some way different. And this went on for a long time. And I've recorded tons of those. Those are the lights that I'm always showing that, you know, closest maybe 500 feet, something like that. Um, but it would be just everywhere all the time. So it was sometimes it'd be dark and you could see just something dark moving across the sky. So that's the hardest part is it always seems like it knew when I was trying to record. And when I wasn't trying to record, it was doing this craziest stuff. So I, I kind of actually I talked to Matthew about this. He's like, how about why why do you have to record? You know, how about you just kind of sit back and once I started doing that, things became more clear. So I would see what I would say either. I guess people say either orbs or uh, like ball lightning looking things. And these things would come close and they'd be hovering and they'd not do anything that like would make me think it was something crazy because its speeds were just kind of just like it didn't care, just going, but it didn't make sense to me. Um, after I stopped paying attention, I'd be outside doing Twitter spaces and uh, just not paying attention. And all of a sudden these light shows would start happening just from random parts of the sky. It blink once. And when I say blink, I'm going to say like the whole craft would blink, blink. And I wouldn't know what it was yet. It would just, it blink and it do its thing where it does north to south or whatever and change altitude. But what started happening was the number of times it was blinking was random. So one time, once, one time, four times. And that's what made me realize this isn't what I, you know, this is definitely something I don't understand what it is because, you know, aircraft satellites don't do that. It was clearly making random numbers in blinks and obviously i don't know somebody's attention it was trying to get because you don't use lights and you don't use a random number like that without trying to get somebody's attention this progressed to the point that my family started seeing them and we'd be outside and and so my wife and kid would be outside and you see this blinking and for a minute they were just kind of my son was a little bit kind of startled by what you know what is that my my wife was just kind of like oh man he ain't crazy right because again, this isn't something everybody believes in. Uh, they started uh, having their own experiences. Well, I was in Boston, my son recorded something and then at home and then uh, my wife on trip, you know, something like that. The last thing I saw was when I realized it was a cigar shaped craft because it was low enough that when it pulsed one time, I realized that it was a long, long and I don't know how big it was, um, I realized, oh, it's cigar shaped. And then some article comes out in the paper for my local area, Tri-Cities, mm -hmm. and they're talking about some uh, security officers that seen a cigar shaped craft that was hovering over the nuclear site and talking about the different things that it did that I've been talking about for years, you know? So it's kind of one of those things of validation. And it, it still kind of continues. I don't know why I'm able to pick some of these out, but I will say that this is odd. So I'm only at this moment now because of those experiences, I can't explain any of it. So I went from atheist to agnostic because of it, because I don't get it. And I know that what I've said, a series of things in motion that brought me here to this event, you know, to these people, and it's so hard for me to explain because at the time it was rough. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought it was psychosis, you know, mental health, all these type of things. So that's just kind of a general overview. I record most of my stuff, but it's lights in the sky like everyone, right? So I'm pretty, I was always pretty shy about it though, too. It wasn't until recently I was kind of like, Hey, I'm Shane. I'm an experiencer. Well, thank you for sharing. Definitely. We appreciate that you're talking about it now. I think it's, I think it's an important step where we come forward and share and, and then we get the validation because then we're going to be able to go out into the world and say, Hey, this is what's going on. And guess what's going to happen. A lot more people are going to say, Oh, 
I had something going on too. Now you're talking about it. I feel like I can talk about it. Yeah, I, I agree. The more, the more, more, I guess the more of us that come out and say, Hey, I, there's something here. And I think Gary Nolan kind of hit it on the head when he's saying, you know, kind of read the room. You got to know who you're speaking to. So the things you say will very much either turn somebody off about the subject or bring them in. So I kind of have a script. I just try to go by. It's just like, Hey, if you don't believe me, don't take my word for it. Then give them people, you know, like Avi Loeb, Gary Nolan, people that they're just gonna be like, Oh, okay. That's, that's different. It's not shame. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would say that I do feel even people who are skeptical will admit that there's things going on that they don't understand in the sky. So there's that, right? We'll take it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what's interesting also is you mentioned the fire. Um, did it strike you as being like plasma? Because people have talked about plasma in UAPs quite often. I think it reminds me. So the fire and the um, orb thing remind me of plasma. But the other thing I'll say is, uh, Quite a few, I've also seen like a, some daytime stuff that just reminds me of plasma. The way it, mm -hmm. uh, I guess it, it, the way it moves, and it looks like it's something, literally like I, I guess you would say ball lightning, or something along those lines, like plasma. So yeah, I guess I just said it five times. Yeah, I've had some really interesting conversations with people about ball lighting, lightning, where they've said it acts like it's intelligent and i'm like that's not ball lightning ball lightning can't do that <laughs> you know lightning yeah. doesn't think hey hey deb <laughs> i just want to check did you say bald lightning because you know i'm very sensitive about that <laughs> oh, why do you think why do you think i'm always wearing a hat so <laughs> be sending out too, you my brother <laughs> yeah i hide it <clears throat> so. so matthew what did you think hearing that does any of that resonate with you uh, yeah, I mean, it does. And I, I, I think it, it kind of speaks to this whole thing that, you know, you think you're going a little bit crazy because um, you don't know if what you're seeing is real, if it's some natural phenomenon. Uh, so I, I can definitely relate to that. Um, and, and of course, we, we've had conversations about that, mm -hmm. Shane and I. Um, uh I, I don't know, Deb, Deb, did you get any questions? Because I've got, I've got a question. I think uh, someone online on, on Twitter, uh, they wanted to know how you get biceps like that. And, I, <laughs> and I'm wondering if you could show us what your grandpa guns can do. <laughs> oh, no, man. Do you have, do you have like a you can you could maybe put in there and like crush it? It's it's Photoshop. It's all Photoshop. <laughs> what it is. Photoshop uh, biceps. Yeah, I got. I bring in some Hollywood effects artists just to get that shit going. Now it's, I I tell you what. I I people would probably be surprised, but I do. I work out quite a bit, but just minimal. I push ups, pull ups is all I do every day. Really? You don't just have any weights or anything? No, I don't do no weights. Weight. Just push ups and pull ups. But when I do pull ups, uh, for example, like I'll do a pull up, and then mm. I'll go into like a plank where I'm holding myself up in a plank. And so your biceps are at a 90 degree, just 10 seconds holding yourself at a full plank. will tear your arms up and just let yourself down. So mm. that's all I've done. And it actually hits, hits the entire body. So yeah, no weights. People, I was at a comedy show one time and somebody asked me that, oh, is the comedian? He's like, what, how much do you bench? I was like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just body weight type stuff, I guess. It's healthier. Plus I got my hip replaced and I'm falling apart. I'm a hot mess like anybody else. I just hide mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 
I, I think that I, was Info Cipher wanted to know that, didn't it? Yeah, he did. It was it was Info Cipher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I would argue though that like I do hear often uh in in mental health, physical health is a key part of that, right? It goes hand in hand. And then you hear about people who are trying to do um C five, um human initiated contact, they end up often making statements about you know eating healthy and being healthy so the the strives that you're making may actually enhance whatever's going on with you and I, i'll say that once i had my experience my life had changed so much and i i mainly used the working out thing was actually a stress relief like i was going to lose my shit i'd be so angry or just stressed that i'd go do it just because i knew what you know it'd be cathartic and obviously you see how stressed i was apparently now <laughs> it was non-stop <laughs> every day because it was i couldn't go anywhere the pandemic i probably spent about a it feels like a year and a half before i talked to anybody so it was it was rough was, then i realized oh ufo twitter that was going to be my question shane um it was w- tell us about shane before and shane after the experience what were you like before and how you've changed since two different people so i always say this the old shane doesn't exist anymore i mean you could still see that i'm in here but one of the things that's been difficult was like my family doesn't recognize me no one recognizes me my personality's changed everything i do has changed my hobbies have changed um I can't watch TV show and movies. I don't do most of that. A lot of times I spent a lot of my misery came from the fact after my experience, all I wanted to do is either read. That's all I did. Philosophy, UAP stuff. All I want to do is read, be creative and, you know, learn things. And then here I was not knowing what's going on freshly out of uh, mental health. And so I was wiling out. I was having a rough go, not understanding why can't I just watch a TV show or why can't I just focus on something else? Um, it drove me so hard that I started I became a prospector. I love geology, things that I never picked up before. And I spend time doing, that's all I do now. Uh, this stuff, sitting on UFO Twitter, talking, speaking about mental health. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. I, I'm a completely different person. And I, I wonder if sometimes it's because of what I saw and what I know to be here is not something anyone else could ever be like, no, it's not. I know it's here. I know there's something here. And it changed me so much that I, I, I I almost feel like there's been a control system in place, some kind of a guiding hand in place. that's kind of like go from here to here without me ever knowing about it. Cause it's easy for me at the time to see these events as slightly synchronicity, some synchronicity in it. But then now it's so odd. The people that I've met, the places I've met, the way I've changed and I'm my best self. Now I have issues. I've worked towards them like anybody else, but to be here at this moment because of UAP is kind of, kind of silly because I was wiling out beforehand. I was struggling. I was the, the years prior to my experience uh, in a jail institution. Um, addiction took me down because of PTSD. I lived on the streets for a long time. Uh, so I don't and it, now I'm at the point where I look back and it's not so much like guilt. It's more like I, I don't understand how that I can't recognize that guy. Like what was going on that I was there? Because I'm healthy enough now to be like, what What would ever drive me to be that point in my life? Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it. 
What's What's interesting is that um, we've heard similar things from people like Kevin Day, who've been very public and talking about how transformative this has been. Do you feel like this was transformative for you, Matthew? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can totally relate to Shane's story. Uh, completely different person before and afterwards. Um, and I, th I think that's common with experiencers that uh, that it does change you. I think I think some people it changes them in not good ways, but I think for the most part, I think for the most part, people end up um, coming out of it better than they went in. And, and I mm -hmm. think that's a good thing. I think that part of my struggle too was there's so many people that had an experience and I don't, they talk about the negative effects of experiences and things like that. I struggled for people who were, I guess you would say healed in whatever way you want to take that as, you know, it changed them enough that they changed their life or it changed them physically, whatever, mentally, because there's not a whole lot of stuff out there like that in that regard, right? Like it's either people have an experience they go so into the rabbit hole it's a, it's almost kind of a, a self-feeding thing and it just keeps going so it's a little bit negative right that's all they do it all the time i found a happy balance with them and i can't explain any of it. that's the part that makes that drives me nuts i'm i'm a guy that's kind of materialist right and not to be able to understand how i got here knowing the things that i know that shouldn't be there just it blows my mind hmm yeah, I feel like there's so many things we were, you know, just having this conversation with Priscilla Quantum Witch yesterday. There's so many things that just keep driving people once they get into this. Um, you know, I know that you are also really intrigued by physics. So we're going to go back and talk about that. It's, uh, I would love to know what you think the physics of UFOs are. But, but I feel like there's so many things, like so many breadcrumbs almost, that just kind of keeps us on the path. Like we can't get out okay. once we're in. <laughs> yeah. Would you say, Shane, that, that that's kind of what motivates you to do these Twitter spaces that you do all the time? So, yeah, actually, one of the things that motivates me, and I and I think we kind of brought it up earlier, the positive type vibe I try to put out. Well, not everybody in the community feels the same. I get there's tribes and people. There's nothing's getting solved. And as an experiencer, for me, as any other, it's more about answers. So I like to hold. The reason I hold these spaces is not even necessarily hear myself talk. I can talk all day long. It's not about what I know. I only found healing in other people's stories, what they know. And so I try to run my spaces like an open forum, kind of like, so everyone gets to talk and they get to share these things and we interact. That's one of the reasons I started holding them. And I have to say that, yeah, I've learned so much in them and being able to, I guess, say things out loud to somebody makes it real in your head, right? So mm -hmm. not because not all of us have people we share this with, but you don't some, they don't have to hold back in those places as long as you're in the right place. It's a safe space. So I, did I answer your question, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. OK, I think so. And, and you know, I think that, uh, you know, it has it has a, a side effect of reducing the stigma as well. You know, the, the yeah. fact that, that 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 kind of conversation is um, available frequently. Uh, thanks to you, I think, because yeah. uh, not everybody would be going into these spaces every night, but uh, you you tend to hold them almost every night. It seems yeah. like I, I feel like every time I get on Twitter and I pick up my phone, it's 
Dane has another space going on. I don't. I yeah. usually don't have time to Pretty join, much. you know. But um, but I do when I can. Uh, I'll I'll join those spaces. They're really good. I and, and I, you, I, I I think you do a good job at moderating them as well. Mm-hmm. You know. Appreciate so, that. So it's so been transformative. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go this, ahead. This this has been very transformative for me as well. I, I used to wonder if people could possibly like me even less. And I think Deb can confirm that no. actually they, 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 they could, they can, and they do. So it's, you know, it's been interesting. I like DJ. Ah, DJ. <laughs> I tell you what though, I, I just think that more can be done if we all, regardless of how different our experiences are, what we bring to the table, if we just talk, you can have different opinions, but man, it hasn't been talking for a while. It's been some pretty negative, bad stuff. And it, my brain, I can't be around that stuff. I have to make it a point to stay away from that crap, right? Yeah, yeah. One way of things, too much. One of the things, Shane, is that I think Dr. Nolan talked about it as well at that last thing. Deb can confirm if he did or not. But it's when somebody has an agenda, if you're here to learn and you're here to discuss what's going on and you know hear what other people think offer your bit obviously there are things that you know that i don't know because i'm not an experiencer um so that that before obviously was meant to be a joke uh there are things i know that you don't know because of my background there's things that matthew knows that both of us don't know there are things that deb knows that none of the three of us know so if you're open to these types of things and you're open to different areas of expertise to open your personal aperture, then you're here for the right reason. However, when you inject money, when you inject a competition for likes, for mm-hmm. retweets, for Twitter impressions, for super chats, for Patreon subscribers, now you have added something into the mix that can skew why you came here and that's where the drama takes hold and in some cases there's another aspect of it that i actually sent deb this thing it was actually from a a bigfoot um documentary but one of the psychologists on there also attributed this same phenomena to to uaps which is a lot of it is fear-based and when you try to offer something that alters somebody's worldview and causes fear within that person obviously the biggest motivators that we have and i'm I'm pretty sure he almost talked about this word for word devs i don't know if you ever watched that two minute clip of that that uh i sent you guys but fear love hate those are things that motivate people to emotion and action more than anything else and the fact that we are trying to tell people you know what the world isn't exactly what you think it is and they're like don't tell me that you know that there's stuff out there that I don't know because I don't want to believe that. Yeah. And I think, go ahead, Dad. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say another thing we have to consider is that some of those people who are going through that, the fear, the love, the hate, are quietly listening and making their decisions while they listen to talk spaces and podcasts. Um, I I always want to caution people that you don't know who's watching. You don't know who's listening. 
you might be reaching someone in a way that you don't realize. So, yeah. you know, keep doing I love that. I, I love that if people are doing that. But what I'm talking about is the ones who aren't being quiet about it. Uh, if they're being quiet about it, then they're here for the same reason we are. Mm -hmm. But if they're not being quiet about it, then they're attacking people. They're attacking people's credibility. They're trying to bring down somebody's content who's having an honest conversation. And that's what I take issue with. Yeah. It's emotion turned to action, not emotion that's still and is in contemplation. And that's not where we are, because luckily we are pieces of puzzles <laughs> trying to come together to solve this. And, and everyone here is a part of that positive element. And there are so many things that you bring to the table, Shane. And of course, Matthew and DJ. Um, Shane, I, I was doing the research. That... <laughs> Why are you laughing, DJ? It's true. Stop She's it, like, DJ. And... <laughs> She's like, and DJ <laughs> by the way dj refuses to call himself an experiencer but he did see a ufo and he's he's mentioned that before yeah i just why, haven't you know what why do you refuse it, it just wasn't enough to uh, what you saw and it was going away from me and so i didn't get to get that time you know what i mean that time with it to internalize it and consider it i was quite young and so that's all. How old were you? It's not that I'm trying to deny it or anything. So, how Part old were you? Uh, I, I was 14, pot, uh, 14 going on 15, right around if I, the beginning of 10th grade. And nothing ever since that you know of? No, nothing. It was, uh, it was the Hudson River Valley wave of the 80s. Oh, and, that's cool. And uh, yeah, I live kind of in the country. in. Uh, just outside of Peekskill, New York, and we're a friend and I were walking back home from my parents had a dude ranch or actually we were losing the dude ranch at the time. So it was going to be my last walk around the property for memory sake. And um, and that's when we looked up and saw it above the tree line and we're just like, holy shit, that's a UFO. I mean, there's just big silent lit up in the, the country side where where we lived, where there was really no light pollution other than people's outside light of their house. So yeah, and it, it just was headed the direction. I love to say this because it's so ironic, but it was headed direct to the direction that James Iandoli lived, uh, the same direction from my house to his house. If I were to drive there, that, that that's the direction it was headed. So I thought that was kind of funny. Trying to look for him. <laughs> Where's James? Should have called him? Oh, yeah. Probably. Hey, go outside. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, he's like uh, five, six miles from where I grew up. So, I, I mean, I have this thing about this, though. I don't think everyone gets to see a UFO. And even if you only have the few moments, it's basically like the phenomenon saying, okay, you're one of the people who can see me. Hello. Saying hi real quick. I got something else I got to do, but hello. <laughs> like, I, I think that it's an indicator of something else. Um, and we can't all figure out how to expand that third eye or whatever, but it means that you have it in the first place, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, I, hope, I hope you're right. I hope there's more purpose other than just my curious fascination. And, and like I, you know, we talked about last night on the show, I can't think of anything more interesting to talk about. And plus the bonds I've made um, 
have been something that I could not have predicted at this time in my life. I have like a whole new family that I would not have had if it weren't for UFOs. And now I'm diving into Bigfoot and maybe I'll get even more family members added to uh, added to my fam, you know. Bigfoot, you need to come up to Washington State. I'll take it for Bigfoot. I, I, oh my God. <laughs> You're like in the Mecca. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to say that until my experience now, everything's open to me. I now, until I, I guess, trust but verify, see my own type of thing, I'm not going to doubt. And I still have fun. I'll be out there in the wilderness near Rainier, just hooting it off, <laughs> doing Bigfoot calls. Oh, I, I, I literally do. I'll be out there doing, trying to do a Bigfoot call, you know, not even knowing if it's real. I probably see people out there listening like, what the heck's wrong with this guy? Okay, yeah, I, I mean, it, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Debs. I was just going to say, DJ told me that there was a Bigfoot sighting near a place I drive twice a week to pick up clients. So now every time I go through, I'm thinking in my head, hi, Bigfoot. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, Shane, let me just tell you this. I Basically, I used to jo I used to joke about I used to say to Debs because often I'll get on the cab chat. I I spent a lot of time in the woods, and I would get on the cab chat. I'd be out in the woods with my dogs doing a jog, doing a little calisthenics. I'm a lot like you. That's my favorite exercises. Even when I'm at one of the six gyms on base, uh, each day, half the time I'm doing calisthenics. But um, in any case. I'll be out there doing that and say, oh, I'm hunting for Bigfoot. I'm looking for Bigfoot. And it was always a joke. Then Nathan sent me this Sasquatch Chronicles podcast and then this one called Bigfoot Eyewitness Radio. And they're fairly prolific. Sasquatch Chronicles is, has nearly 900 episodes. In any case, a first-person accounts. There are reports from 49 of 50 states. And people who thought this is a phenomenon that is rooted only in Washington and Oregon and Northern California, that is not the case. <laughs> Florida is the third most reported Bigfoot sightings on BFRO's website. So um, I was totally caught off guard by this. And as always, you know, we don't, we're not comfortable when we're caught off guard. It's kind of like being knocked off balance. And I did not know this phenomenon was as widespread as it is. It's just, I had just no idea. I thought this is, you know, oh, there's probably a few creatures out there in the Northwest and that's about it. And I am one of millions of people that think that. Yeah. I think the phenomenon is all one and the same. I, I think every bit of it's tied in from RV, precog, Bigfoot to UAP. So that's just how I roll. And apparently goblins, but that's going to be future research. We'll get yeah, there one yeah. day. <laughs> the crypt, so, like, Deb, if I would have asked you, like, if I would have asked you a few weeks ago, Deb, do you believe that dog man is a thing? What would you have said? Um, I would have said yes, but I think for me, it's just an interpretation of something. I think our problem is we get caught up in like the semantics, right? I think it's just our interpretation of something that we're seeing that other people have seen and given a different name, like Bigfoot. Well, but the face of it, the face is what, you know, the face is what differentiates these creatures and apparently the personality of it. Yeah, I don't know. Cause there's these um, several tribes of indigenous people use the term wild man. And, and right, so, right. so is that dog man or is it Bigfoot? Like that's, there's that's a lot Bigfoot. of, that's Bigfoot. Yeah, so I don't know. yeah. Let's yeah, ask Matt, Matthew, what's your 
what's your i'm sorry i, I just wanted to get math no, on this whole thing and then come back to shane what's what's your take on this the bigfoot phenomenon as a entity you're on mute brother Sorry about that. I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm in Shane's uh, boat on this. I think it's kind of all one and the same thing. It's all the, it's all the same phenomenon. Um, I'll tell you that I thought the same thing until I did this deep dive. I would have said the same thing. Like when we had Micah Hanks on, I was woefully unprepared for that interview, given his level of knowledge on it. But when you listen to people and they're finding – the duty of this creature they're finding where they've made beds i know what the tree structures look like that they build now i could i would have i would have walked right by one of those in the forest and had absolutely no idea what it is not only that they're finding in deb state in my state in shane state they're finding structures that look just like that we don't know why they put some of them there uh, we think, you know, just hypothesizing the same way we do about UFOs, maybe it's guiding the young ones back to where they're, you know, they're bed down because they have sort of a security structure of the older teenagers that, for, that I think they call them sentinels, that guard uh, where the women and the kids are bed down during the day. But um, I, there's so many things they do. Um, the ability to mind speak, the ability to create a sound that makes people feel fear. And for some of these homeowners that they seem to uh, trade with, they give apples and then the Bigfoot will leave gifts on the back patio, like little rocks and feathers and whatever, you know, stuff that they find valuable, they'll make them feel loved. Um, and so there's some unique ancient kind of things they do I don't know at this point that it's rooted in the phenomenon or that there's an inter I'm not saying there isn't because I don't know yet, but they're a lot more terrestrial than what I thought before I did this deep dive. When I was talking to Micah Hanks, I'm like, aren't you willing to entertain this terrestrial hypothesis? And he's just like, you know, he went into like a 10 minute dissertation on it, but you know, he knew so much more than I know, and he still does. But now I'm much more educated than I was like a couple months ago. That, that's that's my point. I did want to chime in, <clears throat> even though I also tend to go with that theory that everything is connected. I also recognize, you know, there's a possibility that we've just been overlooking a whole lot of stuff. You know, we just aren't knowledgeable enough about our own planet to say that we have not been overlooking things but but we've recently we just had that mentioned at the conference why do we or why are we so quick to clump things together why can't we just accept that there might be just a ton of different <coughs> weird things that's like they, a, that's exactly right we don't we it's e it's the easy answer if i just say everything's connected now i don't have to wonder about it anymore but with all these different things, be that cryptids, be that dogman, and I have done no research on dogman whatsoever, just because I'm working on Bigfoot. But it's very easy to just, ah, you know what? It's all connected. Is it? How much research have you done on it to be able to make that statement? It would be like somebody who, you know, uh, making a comment about UFOs and has 
about 10,000 less hours than Deb researching UFOs and giving an opinion that's very pat. Mm, yeah. You know, uh, one of the things I know about Dogman is Jay Stratton, he saw a wolf outside his house after Skinwalker's the Pentagon. And then you got the Pentagon uh, or Skinwalker Ranch. They saw something look like a wolf man crawl out of a hole. And then you got the Michigan Dogman case where there's a bunch of officers on the record talking about seeing a wolf, a dogman. So I know there's cases that have legit witnesses. And I say it's all, I guess you'd say intertwined just because of, I guess my favorite authors are Belay and Keel. So I kind of just pile in on that, right? All these experiences doesn't mean they are, but for me, it's easier to explain that it's just kind of some kind of a control system or a show. So I agree. The more research I do though, there's a very big chance that we just don't pay attention. There's filters we just, that we, yeah. we're, we're seeing through. Yeah. yeah. We're just like, it, you know, we're, we're here. We're gonna, we're gonna say something. It's a very easy to just say that, but I would just encourage anybody with any of the cryptids, just like Deb just said, She's just learning about these. Is it trolls, Deb? What do we call them again? Goblins. 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 They're absolutely frightening looking, the depiction of them on Hellier. Uh, Deb and I are both, <laughs> both watching. Uh, and I'm hoping that Deb's going to explain this series to me, by the way. And, <laughs> but, uh, and you know what? We would like to have those hosts on so we can get a better understanding. But at this point, any opinion I give on any of those phenomenon is uninformed because the only thing I've done any study on that's worth a damn is UFOs. And then in the case of, I mean, I'm, I would be considered an absolute novice when it comes to Bigfoot, but I've been consuming a lot of content from different sources to try to form an opinion, but it's not what I thought. When uh, I just took Jonathan Dover's testimony of, I tracked it into the middle of the field and the tracks disappeared. So therefore it's going into a portal. And so I took that and I ran with it, but I hadn't done the research to even put weight to that. Like then I'm just going, amen, Jonathan. And that's, yeah. you know, that's not the way that you research. It's not the way Deb researches, you know, and so now I'm doing research so that I can have an informed opinion. And right now my informed opinion is I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know anything. But, I'll play that all day long. But it's mm. a lot more terrestrial than I thought because of people seeing, first of all, the Patterson Gimlin film, I didn't even know that was a female with breasts. I mean, have you seen the, you seen the new, uh, where they, they show yes. like the muscles moving? It's yes. crazy. Yes, that guy did you the know, 4K. I, I, it's beautiful. I actually had a revelation just now, and I've and I've commented on this before that to me, all of this ends up being the study of humanity. What if we are the phenomenon in the sense that the phenomenon we're going to discover is just our our <laughs> gross inability to see what's in front of us? Like, what if it ends up that's what the phenomenon is and has been this whole time? Our gross misunderstanding of the actual world around us. I can see that. That's I interesting. Know just recently, we come out with cameras that can film colors that we can't see, that we didn't even know existed. So right there in front of us for how long with our eyes, because our eyes are made to see specific things. How long was it before people, blue was actual color? I mean... They didn't even have blue back. And so it's it's a evolving and changing thing. And that could be a possibility. The phenomenon could be just 
it's always been here. We just can't, you know, we don't have that ability to see it. And it, then I start thinking, well, what is it that causes some people to? Mm-hmm. What is it a filter being removed or is it something in the brain being, you know, or well, is the phenomenon itself causing it? I want Matthew to talk about that because I felt like he was going to try to tell us how to expand that third eye. I felt like it was coming and he didn't get to say it. So tell us, Matthew, what to do. Um, well, I, you know, I, what really helped me was a, a little book called uh, A Series of Lessons in Raha Yoga. And that was, it's every chapter is a different mantra and you just kind of meditate and concentrate on the, on, on, on that mantra. But I, I think a, a lot of what helped me too is, is philosophy. And I, I heard Shane talk about that. And I, I was wondering, Shane, what, what kinds of philosophy have helped you? Um, what kinds of things have you read? Um, well, so just kind of all through, I, I went all through it, right? Basically, this, Nietzsche's one of my favorite now. I know everybody's like, oh, what? Now, he, he says a couple different things. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But, you know, basically along the lines of, you know, you find the things you love, like when you're a kid and you do those things, that childlike innocence, right? Uh, you can take a little bit from even, was it Schopenhauer? Um, even some, some of these different ones that have the more negative aspect to them. I, I just kind of like reading it. It's almost like uh, with AA, they say, take what you like. I take the things that I find and apply it to my life. I'm trying to think Socrates. Um, I, I like the Republic. It opened my eyes to a lot of different things like religion, you know, what it can be used for and how it's used sometimes. Um, now, some of it I, I don't quite understand, obviously, because I zoomed through that stuff so quickly. But I also like uh, Toby Orb. Orb, is it Orb? He's a, he's a philosopher from now. He's from Oxford. He wrote a book called uh, Existential Dread, I think is what it's called. And it's just about how humanity can destroy itself, all the different ways we can destroy itself. So I think by finding philosophy, it helped me. The easiest way to explain it is it helped me make the questions I was asking myself about my life more appropriate so that I could get answers. It just, I could read, I guess everyone's looking to figure out what life is, right? Philosophy just helped me redefine that question. When I said, what's life? It helped me actually say life is, you know, and I'm able to explain it more to myself. Uh, I like also Viktor Frankl, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. I mean, he's not a philosopher, but that's one of the things I took too. It's just, that's part of my philosophy. Every bit of these things that I picked up is helped create what I am now. And philosophy, basically, if you could take philosophy at the basic sense, it's just basically questioning everything around you, right? Understanding and finding out ways to understand those things. And I think that's what everybody's looking for. So it helped me because I didn't know I wasn't asking myself the right questions out of life. And then once I started reading philosophy, I realized, oh, there's a whole different way to look at this world, you know? And it helped me redefine that question is what is, as opposed to what is life to something bigger and more grand, like, okay, let me figure this out. So does that make any sense? Yeah. And actually it reminds me of something I heard recently that really stuck with me is even if science were to try to get all the answers, we would still need philosophy to inspire those questions in the first place. Philosophy makes us try to get those answers. It's always going to be that inspiration. Yeah, you know, I it's something I thought was interesting about what you said, uh, Shane, is that I something that I realized about this is that at the end of, you know, my experiences, I had uh, 
an awakening or an enlightenment or nirvana, whatever you want to call it. But it put me on a whole new level. And one of the things that I was recently reading a book about Schopenhauer, who is a German philosopher, famous German philosopher. In his journal, he wrote uh, when he was very young, before he became known and before he wrote anything, he, he, he wrote in his journal that he realized that he was more advanced than most other humans. And he wasn't sure what to do with that. And so I, I feel like, you know, this exposes you to a whole new um, level of reality, uh, which you now realize is real. And so that's where those questions come from that kind of informs science, right? And, and that's, that's what you were talking about, Deb, is that, um, you know, people like Schopenhauer, the, the big philosophers, they always ask these big questions because they have, they know they can be answered. <laughs> um, and, and so it's just a way of getting the rest of us to think about it and getting the rest of us there, um, I think. And, and it's a wonderful thing. And that's, that's why I love philosophy so much. And probably the same reason you love it too, Shane. Oh, I do. I just, I know what your next book should be, guys. It should be the Zen of UFOs. You know, go for yeah. the philosophical, Ben. Get more people to do the phil philosophy behind it. A whole book on philosophy. I love it. And see, yeah, that's what I, people need to tackle, the big questions. Yeah, I just want to say I've interviewed a lot of people uh, over the, you know, the last decade or 12 years, whatever the hell it's been. And you guys are super interesting conversation. I just want to throw that out there. Thank you. I appreciate that. Tell you should tell everybody else that meets me in person that. I freeze up. I'm like, oh, socially awkward time. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have a, a comment about that. It's funny because I just did this, right? I just met a whole bunch of people and I could tell we were all just people who weren't used to being around other people. Uh, you know, like it was not all. I'm sure there were some social butterflies. But a lot of people made the comment to me, you know, I'm usually at home, like even the outgoing ones, I'm usually at home, I'm not very social, like this is awkward for me, because it's so different to be around people who actually can have this conversation with you. And like, even even when I was there, I was like, I'm not, I'm still not entirely trusting that I can have these conversations. You know, it's, it's weird. Like, do you still feel like that? Like, oh, I'm still not sure. I'm still not, I don't know. But it's so refreshing when you finally do. Yep. And I know that, uh, it's like, for me, people get a different vibe. Like, my, the way I'm in spaces around here, they're like, oh, he's got to be a social butterfly. But when I get around people, I'm like, Oh, what do I do? What do I say? Because I haven't spent that much time around people in person. So I still freeze up. Like, do you want to talk about this? That's what's been cool about here. I mean, me and Micah sitting at a bar with Chrissy Newton just talking about UAPs. And I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. And then a guy overheard our conversation. So he comes over to talk about UAPs. He didn't run off. And I was like, this is cool. So just people keep adding to the conversation. And I think the more we do that, though, to have these little get togethers, I think they're important too. Because not everybody that comes there are part of the community that already know everything about it, right? Someone may bring her spouse and mm -hmm. opens a lot of doorways, right? To see the community. They're not crazy. These are good people. They're just normal like us. Actually, they're better people. I'm telling you right now, this community is awesome. <laughs> Some of the best people I've ever met. So, oh, wow. 
it really brings you know it brings the philosophers it brings the people who love nature it brings the people who are interested in humanity uh, it brings the people with the expertise on you know technology and the government and military you know it brings a lot of really intelligent people together which is why you know when gary nolan talks about Yes, there might actually be an indicator for the people who can see the phenomenon or attract the phenomenon. Sometimes, although it's kind of scary to say, I'm like, you know, there might really be something to that. Hey, um, Deb, you said bringing intelligent people together. I just want to check. Am, am I included in that? Yes, DJ. And do you think like my caudate patamen is above average size? Um, I'm really feel awkward talking about that dj <laughs> hey DJ. How about my, would, would you like to discuss my basal ganglia um i'll i'll let gary nolan measure that for you um look I'm, I'm just talking about actual parts of the brain i don't know where your head's at right now i feel like this might be a t-shirt someday you know i have an extra large caudate potato <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to say a friend of mine and Deb's from UFO Twitter, who I really like, an awesome guy, was, was told me that. So anyway, it's really funny. Awkward. Hey, anyway, you go know, ahead, Shane. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know, something about that, though. I always tell people, if it is something to do with the brain, I I don't know if I'm just brain damaged because of the, you know, the addiction and things like that. Because it's not like something positive happened to me. It's like, if I straight brain damage myself into an experience... I, I always wonder that because is that what caused the filter to go away? Well, I don't think damage is in like, uh, I just meant like dumb and actual damage to my brain somewhere that's caused me to the move the, move the filter. Well, we I should say brain damage. <laughs> so I, okay. So I'm going to bring out my <laughs> the more technical dorky side. Okay. Um, so we have neuroplasticity, right? So if we rewire our brain, we can basically wire it back. Um, we can also change and alter our brains to deal with injury, damage, stress, anything. Uh, we, we alter ourselves. And in doing that, we also end up um, altering our DNA. Okay. So um, we kind of asked Gary that if there was a way to enhance the caudate patanum and all that. And he said, not really. <laughs> we asked. We did. We asked him. And he said, no, not <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. I love it. <laughs> Go ahead. You're, if you're having... Okay, I'm not even going to ask, DJ. I'm not even going to ask. But So, yeah, we it's, did... It's my but, basal ganglia. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we, we asked that, but I do know that um, like when we were, we were talking to Semivan, I had really wanted to learn a bit about DMT. Um, and what I discovered is that, of course, that messes with, you know, neurotransmitters. And when we mess with neurotransmitters, which, by the way, some music is like literally meant to do that when you're meditating. It's like supposed to cause resonance, right? Um, when you mess with the neurotransmitters, you can actually have experiences, right? So anything that we're doing to the brain you know, there's a, a chance that it's actually going to enhance something. Um, so even those negative things that happen or trauma that happens to people can actually cause a rewiring that enhances something, if that makes sense. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it makes sense now. I understand what you're saying. 
I should probably use that. It sounds better than brain damage. <laughs> Just say, you I'm know, Shane and I'm brain damaged. No, no, don't do that. Don't say. You don't have no Dane Brennan. <laughs> You know, I, that's, I was just going to say that, uh, you know, I, a lot of people, they think that w when these things start to happen, it's usually because they're in, they're in some depressed state, mm -hmm. right? But in my mind, the reason why these experiences begin when you're at your lowest point is because that is when you are most likely to undergo this transformative brain mm. type experience where it's possible because you have greater neuroplasticity. And, and, and so it's not that you're being possessed and something is feeding off your negativity. It's that this is the time when you are most likely to make that change and that transition. Yeah, and, and so, I... so there are others that recognize that and they'll show up, you know, Hey, let's would... help us out, you know? I would say there's even a step further than that. Instead of thinking of it as we're traumatized and we have an experience, it's we're having a trauma. It's making us more aware for survival reasons. And oh, look, there's something we should be paying attention to going on. Oh, we didn't notice it before because we weren't trying to survive before. You know, like day to day, people just going to work or not paying attention to things in the sky. Yeah. I, uh, you said DMT. I actually signed up for a veteran program, heroic hearts to take me down to South America for that. So we'll see. I haven't tried that either. So I'm just when, a little scared now. When are you going Shane? Well, I, I don't know. I'm still waiting to get on the list. Uh, it's, it's a pretty long list. I imagine <laughs> I think they're, they're out of Oregon. They're out of Oregon. It's called heroic hearts project. So huh. I'll let you, I'll let you guys know when I go. Yeah. If I go, but Interestingly enough, they did find out that with psychedelics, there is an indication that these psychedelics can help mental health without requiring the hallucinogenetic part of it. Okay, so of course that's the fun part, but you know, <laughs> but but they're finding like pharm pharma pharmacies, whatever, they're not happy about that news. <laughs> but but you know, and it's funny because ancient people have been using these things for centuries, right? <laughs> but they're naturally uh, curing people. Yeah, I, I think they're they're starting to use those in mental. Well, I guess they're just trying to get the go ahead in the United States in therapeutic sessions, but set, settings, I should say, which is a do what you can. You shouldn't rule anything out, right? Until you figure out if it works or not. Yeah, there's other countries that are doing it. They're going further with it. Um, they're doing studies. Um, I think that Netflix even even has a show of and it like covers different ones for each episode. I I won't lie, I'm kind of. I've, I'm envious. I want to know what the DMT experience is like, although I have heard that you have to do it a very specific way. I know that uh, there's a couple of people on uh, a couple of veterans that have had a program. They've been flown down to South America. They, they, when you take, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. Was it ayahuasca? When you take that, it's like a four day long. I, you know, I, I didn't know what it was to hear them talk. It's not, it cannot be fun. Let's just say that for four days. But when you come out, it's a new feeling. I mean, it's a total new feeling. It's the four days is a little rough from what I hear. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I can tell you from someone who's actually experienced some really severe traumas, when you go through that and your brain gets that change, you know, uh, the world is a different place. You know, anytime you do something that's not your day-to-day -day routine, I'm going to pump gas, go to work, you know, feed the kids, anything that just is disruptive that way or shocking, it really does change your world. Like the colors of the world are different, if that makes sense. No, it completely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that I don't want us to be traumatized. So let's 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 look for the other options, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there is a way that psychedelics can do something for it, I think we need to explore every bit of that. But yes. then again, I also think that consciousness plays a role in the UAP thing. So that's an easy and quick way to get access to your consciousness. I think, you know, that's more exploring that needs to be done too. And I'll volunteer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm... You know, DJ and I've talked about this, Matthew who talks about this, but there's definitely a lot of access to um, this other realm and the psychedelics gets us there, lucid dreaming, remote viewers get there, people who study the Akashic records get there. And I think that, again, that's part of what we're going to find out, like how everything is connected and how the phenomenon is actually us figuring this out. There's probably some like civilization somewhere laughing that we're this slow to figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> well, they probably into the, the, the whole thing about the ancient structures, which we started on that one episode. And we hope to soon have on Dan Warren, whom I know all you guys love because everybody loves Dan Warren. Um, and Dave Smethurst, who is a colleague, friend of, uh, Andy McGrillen, Christopher Sharp, uh, Frank, uh, definitely Frank Jones, UFO thinker. So, um, yeah, and they're going to talk ancient structures and maybe we can dig into what we may have lost, these abilities that, that we had that we don't have anymore. And maybe that's how the pyramids were built or, you know, Deb's got hypotheses on these. And that feeds into Bigfoot has this has the have these guys and gals that walk upright just had you know retained these abilities which we've lost with all the technology who knows yeah i don't that's that's someone said something about that recently about like we we're just coming into this we're just evolving into this and i'm like no like people used to talk about this all the time like you know you know i'm gonna go out see some ghosts and eat some bread you know it's a very everyday thing like that's why I talked about the cultural sensitivity, like other cultures are already here. Like it's this modern American culture that seems to be like catching up and going, Ooh, what's up? What's with this ghost thing? What's with the Bigfoot thing? Like other cultures are like, duh. <laughs> like, so I don't know why we lost that. It, I wonder it, if it, like society and tech. Mm -hmm. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. No, I was, I was just saying society and tech, maybe, you know, at one time we used to have to see everything before it killed us. I think maybe some of those got dulled as we get, you know, we got closer and more packed in socially. That's just opinion, though. Mm -hmm. Uneducated opinion. <laughs> I, and one of the difficult things, especially for somebody like Linda or, and this is kind of going to, I'm going to Deb's hypothesis right now and trying to explore it is 
are there people that are prone to see this, that have an ability to see things that we don't see? Well, obviously there are. I mean, you've had, you know, Amy Allen, you know, who's able to go to a property and speak with the entities that are there. And then when the detective guy does the historical search on the property, they find out that, yeah, it's who she's been talking to. So, but when some, for somebody like Linda, she doesn't want to, uh, to coin herself as exceptional, you know, and that that's what makes it difficult. But maybe, maybe she is, maybe the people that, that can see these things are that, that are uh, different levels of experiencers that are able to have downloads or contact. Maybe they are exceptional. Uh, that does that make them a better human? Not necessarily, but, but it's still, it's exceptional uh, into some, in some form or fashion. And I think uh, the experiencers are afraid a little bit of being further made into guinea pigs for that reason. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think that's one thing we're always trying, like I'm trying to be cautious about also. No comments. Well, well I mean, I, I, I think that <laughs> I, I think that this is just the next step in human evolution, to be honest with you. And I, and I think that I, I think that there are some people who have just evolved to that point. And I, I don't know. I don't think, you know, that makes you special or that you should receive some kind of star on your belly or something like that. But um, I think I think people should pay attention when when you speak and you're one of these people. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I think the, the reason people are always paying attention is because there are some people who muddy the waters, you know, there's definitely yeah. some people who are doing the the speaking for other people, not necessarily actually uh, providing the right message. Like, I'm thinking of people like George Adamski and... You know, he was just in his shop selling postcards. Like every time I read about someone going to have seen him, he was like pushing his postcards that he was selling in his shop, you know, like, oh, and then some of the pictures that they took back then with some people. <laughs> Matthew, do you, Matthew, do you think that these experiencers should posture themselves as I'm cool because I'm an experiencer and you're not? <laughs> No, no, not at all. I, I think that no, uh, okay. no. I think I think, but these people. I, I think a lot of people who are experiencers don't really understand what they've come in contact to with, and I think that they don't understand that. You know, this is what has given humanity some of its greatest minds, um, and mm. and so don't waste that. You know, don't waste that. Make sure you you tend to it and. Uh, and keep that flame lit so that you can you can be one of humanity's greatest minds and you don't just come off sounding like some kind of crazy nut job, you know. Um, it's what I strive for every day. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, it's true, though. Like, we've had a lot of people claim that they've gotten downloads who have done some of the biggest things ever. Tesla was one of them, right? Uh, some of the rocket scientists, like Diana Pasolka has spoken about one of them, I can't remember his name right now, um, back in the day, you know, basically having downloads, you know, people who dabbled in the occult, even Lincoln, 
you know, he would do seances, you know, <laughs> like, so in his house, uh, I think it was more for his wife, but the point is like, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on with some of the greater people, the greater minds. And some of them, you know, back in the day, probably were even um, on the autism spectrum, right? Like Einstein, I believe he was from everything I've read about him. And back then that was considered, you know, a strange phenomenon <laughs> in some ways, you know? So, but look at what he did. Yeah, Matthew, Shane, I mean, let's talk about Nikola Tesla. I mean, the forefather of alternating current. I mean, do you think that's really going to work? I don't think that technology has legs. It's supposed to be funny, Not guys. going anywhere. Jeez. Not going anywhere. Yeah. I know. It's not going anywhere. It's and not going to take off electricity. Your, your, your <laughs> exactly. We're gonna, it's DC current is the way, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, somebody mentioned something the other day about downloads, you know, like besides Tesla, like, it's funny because you start thinking about some of the um, the art or the the creative type stuff that's been out there, and then some of the stories that they talk about, like the amount of time that they made these pieces, as opposed to how it usually takes them X amount of time to do it. They just got that whatever you call it, that creative brain or things like that. And I know Matthew just made a comment about when you see something, um, maybe like for me, you you question everything after that. So. The greatest minds. I, I'm not saying the greatest mind. What I'm saying is, after I had an experience, all my questions were better. And then I started questioning everything. So I started reading more. I started researching more because when you question more, you want to know more answers. And so I think that's a big part of it right there. Because when you when something you don't think is real or shouldn't exist exists, that opens a whole world, a completely different world. So there, I don't count things out, and I have to say I explored my world a lot more because of it. You know, you just, you reminded me of another term. I don't, I guess I've probably come to this before, but I'm coming to it again. Muses. Like people used to use that term all the time. The muses guided me. The muses helped me. Well, who were the muses? You know, like now we can ask that in a different light, perhaps, you know. Yeah. You're one of them. Oh, thank you. That was nice of you. Thank well, you. you know, you say that too, and it's like, for me, the reason I speak about all these topics, mental health, UAP, my experience now, uh, a lot of people on UFO Twitter are my muse. You know, a lot of people struggle. Uh, if I wouldn't have met Matthew, if I wouldn't have met all these people before, I'd have had a completely different path. It took me finding experiences and stuff, so I thought this is how I give back. You know, everybody can play their role. You know, everybody can be a scientist. I can at the very least talk about the things that I dealt with and try to bring attention to some of the things that are really crappy out there that are still going on for us, you know, experience or people in the community, whatever you want to call it, because uh, it doesn't make any sense that it's still so, uh, so I guess you would say rough to talk about to the point that most won't. They'll just mm -hmm. wait till they're either at a convention like this. They won't, they'll struggle. They'll, things happen. So it's, it's a scary road, but the more that people write books, they discuss it, they share their experience. And I have to give people props like Matthew, because there were a lot of people doing that when he did wrote his book and doing all that type of stuff. I came along after a lot of people and there was a whole 2017, uh, Nimitz had already happened. And then I, you know, cause 2020 is about when I rolled in. So I'm kind of grateful that there was already so much done with people coming forward, so. Yeah, I just um, tweeted a movie that got made in 56 about the UFOs and that was um, with, real experiencers 
in it talking about their encounters. 1956. You know, like that's a long time ago. And all those, and you know, when I was putting that out, one of the other videos was UFOs are reels, real from the 1970s. You know, like people have been doing this and doing this. And it actually brings me to a question like, when is it going to be enough to get more people to like really recognize it? Like, they, even now with the government saying it's real, I feel like we're still not quite there. Yeah, I, you know, I, I want to point something out. The, the thing about disclosure and, and everybody's waiting for the government to say anything. I, I just want to, everything that is true about this topic is already out there. It's already out there. The thing is, though, that people on Twitter, um, people who are maybe a little bit more closed minded, they don't want to take the experience or end of things seriously. And I will tell you that the government did not do that. Right. And and as a result of that, they know more than most people do about this topic. And and so if, if you want to know about this topic, you can go out there and read about it. I mean, it is all out there. Um, so just don't dismiss what you're hearing and and you'll you'll learn. But if, yeah, that, if, you, if you if you want to be closed minded about it and wait for someone to tell you what it is, um, then, you know, keep waiting. <laughs> because yeah, I think that's yeah. what's going to happen. I will People say, think there's a gatekeeper. That, yeah, I, I'm right. really sorry to interrupt you. There's yeah. a gatekeeper disclosure. If you if you read RuPaul's book, like I know people are very upset that the ending gets changed. And I haven't even gotten that far because I was upset about something else i get mad at books and put them away but anywho he what? talked yes definitely and there's so many to read but um yes. he admits that they threw documents away that the reports were filed and they just tossed them because they were so unbelievable and keel has addressed that and said you know don't ignore the unbelievable other people have said this why are we ignoring the unbelievable if and recently at the conference it was commented you know this is a data set you know so we really cannot be wiping things off the table just because we don't want to hear about it anymore if we really want to learn something we have to do like you said matthew we have to really pay attention to what people are saying because how many times did blue book get a um you know an experiencer account from someone who actually met an entity and then toss it in a wastebasket because they didn't want to deal with it probably more more than we would ever realize i, I want to address your your question though was what's it going to take and you and i've had this conversation more than once for sure on on this on private and it's unfortunately to get you know we experienced it. I, I hate to use the metaphor of Kate Casey all the time, but she's the one guest we've had who has no have on our show that has no interest in this topic. But she's pretty famous in terms of like reality TV and things like that. And people at this point, you are going to have to have an event. Picture somebody sitting in a cafe. They're having a croissant. They're having a coffee. They're in Paris and what are you going to do to make them look up from their newspaper? And it's going to take the phenomenon to present an event that is going to force them to look up 
and stop what they're doing and say, wait a minute, you know, me following the real housewives of Atlanta and OC is not all that's out there. And the Kardashians, that there's something else out there and I need to at least be aware of it. If I don't want to study it, that's my business. But I at least need to be aware of it and acknowledge it. And we have not reached that point yet. And it's going to take a significant event more than some hearings that nobody's going to watch on C-SPAN outside the UFO community to make that happen. Now, I am a glass half full kind of guy, but unfortunately, when it comes to disclosure uh, from the government, I think I'm where Matthew is, A, and B, when it comes to getting this small bubble that we live in in the UFO community, getting outside that bubble is going to take a significant, significant event where they can't look away. Yeah, I would I would like to say that in my free time, which is very little, I watch K-dramas and I tried to watch a K-drama that got presented about UFOs called Glitch. I was so upset with this. Like, I thought, you know, oh, they're finally presenting this in a different forum that would, like, other people who love K-dramas are going to appreciate. It was so upsetting. It was mostly about a cult. You, Christopher Sharp, and myself with the K-dramas, huh? Yeah, I love K-dramas. I, was... I used to watch them when I was in Japan. I stationed in Japan. And I had TV off base, and that's all I could watch was K-dramas. They're, they're so good. They have so much more story and character and sometimes just really go into a great fantasy realm or sci-fi sometimes, you know, but crazy. But this was so disappointing. Like this was a, a perfect example. It was almost like if you were in Korea and they had the Kardashians doing a UFO episode, you know, but it was just a fail to me. It was so dark and so upsetting and I actually even like had a physical reaction to some of it. Like I really don't know why, but like when they were showing the electromagnetic interference, it was really bothering me. Like I was like, what, why am I responding this way to these scenes? But oh, sorry, I just had to say sometimes it's a fail when we try to do it. When we try to break that barrier. That communication barrier trying to relay Something like this, though, with such a vastly different experience, trying to relate to, uh, to other people. Hell, I can't explain it, my own experience to myself. So that's the hard part, right? Trying to explain myself is rough. So it's like, how do I explain it to everyone else, especially when the guy next to me says, I have an experience, but it's completely different it's, over it's, and over. It's not only that, but someone has to want to hear it. And the problem is the people, what I'm trying to say to you guys, and I don't think any, I don't know if anybody's, if I'm resonating with you guys, and maybe I'm not, and that's okay, is that we want to hear what you have to say, but not everybody w wants to hear it. That's my point. We're not at that point yet where the general public, we're a very, very small subset of the general public, and these people are not yet ready to hear or care about UFOs or about your experience, or my experience, or Deb's experience, or Matthew's experience. And with that, I'll leave you guys with that because I got to finish packing for tomorrow's flight. Um, but I do want to say it has been awesome speaking with you guys. So thank you very much. I'm glad you're here, DJ. Glad you're here. All right. Yeah, thank you, DJ. It's nice. Safe, safe. With you. Yeah, safe travels. Look for UFOs in the near the plane.
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I need the window seat for just that purpose. Thank you. <laughs> I, I did that to my kids on the way to Disney. I said, I'm taking the window seat whole time looking for you. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but right, yeah. And I'm headed to Yakota, Shane. So uh, it depends on where I get stuck in the seat. But yeah, it'd be some time to look out the window. So where are you headed? Right. I'm headed TDY to Yakota for a week on uh, mid November. So what? I was stationed there for a minute. I was going to say, yeah, we got it. I'll have to yeah, ask you up because eight, I, need, I stationed I need there eight years. Woo! Damn. Yeah. Have fun. Have fun. All right, brother. Y'all take care. Thank you. Bye, Debs. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Okay. So um, I, I had a question, you know, unfortunately DJ stepped out for this one, but it was going to be now that you um are here representing you know different factions of the military and all that what do you think is happening with the navy stepping back under the pentagon's sort of uh, i don't know how to put this duress i guess from the pentagon let's put it that way and then uh you know the u.s air force never wanted to really come out again in the first place you know, ever since the whole you know blue book fiasco uh, what do you think is going on with like, is, is there like a behind the scenes battle going on? Like we're going to like the football games or something, we're going to get there first or, you know, what do you think is going on? I, th I think we have probably competing factions within the government, just uh, some that want that so tight lipped because anything that we know, our enemies know, and they also know that that's just giving them advances because other countries um, aren't democracies per se. Whereas we leak information and these guys would just lop off heads or keep things secrets. So we've had things compartmentalized forever because I'm under the impression we have crash craft and it's, it's in civilian tech and, it, and it's basically compartmentalization. They put it away, bring it out, see if we caught up. Other countries probably been working on it nonstop with the same 20 people because they know they're going to die if they say anything. Then we add to it by saying, yes, we know this, we have this. I, mm -hmm. I kind of get the feeling that it's kind of maybe it was a soft disclosure that the point wasn't necessarily to show us or give us really disclosure, but to bring it in front of Congress. So they knew there's programs so they could pull those compartmentalizations and they put them under one roof. And maybe they say, yeah, aliens are real. And that's all we get. But then Congress, and we are able to build and reverse engineer those things. Yeah. I do that's think just that, my opinion. Yeah. I also have the feeling that part of this is they've reached a ceiling with how they've been doing it and they're not getting further with it. That's, I also agree with you. I think that they have gone, you know what? We know Russia and China are together on this. They are, by the way. There are FOIAs about them having meetings, you know, and by the way, we helped Russia create their UFO group. There's FOIAs on that too. But and the point is, maybe they can't get any further with all this compartmental whatever separation all of this is not working out it's backfiring and they they might need to push the agenda where we start getting smarter people involved or new fresh eyes on this project so that's a thought I think we need i think we need new science and new tools to do said science before we do anything with this stuff that's that's just coming from the fact there's not enough experiences of scientists because right now that even science is dogmatic. They're only looking for the things they know they don't have, right? As mm -hmm. opposed to no one's checking for things we're not even thinking about. And that's mm -hmm. because, again, 
uh, I don't care what you want to call it, say um, woo is the generic term that you should never say to anybody if you want to convince them of it. Let's say high strangeness or something that we would consider magic that doesn't necessarily mean it is magic. It's just something so far advanced. But we stop because we think our physics is right here at this level. So why look for these other physics, these other things that happen? And we know all throughout history that when we do that, we're completely surprised and sideswiped and like, oh, I didn't know when all we had to do was stop calling people crazy for doing that research or thinking about it in a completely different way. And it's funny how scientists can be the first ones to point fingers at other scientists. Like when Avi Loeb started taking this seriously, they're all those other scientists were dogging him. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a really weird situation considering they're supposed to be promoting stuff like that, like healthy science. Yeah, I think that, you know, the work that's being done now by some of the bigger names like Avi Loeb and Gary Nolan is starting to highlight some of the other scientists that have been doing this for a while. Um, so like the Society of Scientific Exploration, like more people are aware of that now. Um, you know, they're like going, oh, I wonder if other scientists are doing this. So I think that's great. But I do still think we need new eyes. Um so like, for instance, and, you know, I have a feeling Matthew's going to have an answer for this, too. I know a lot of experiencers have flown a UFO with consciousness. I know that I've had an experience with that in meditation. Um, and I feel like that's not something a scientist in a, you know, government labs necessarily going to know how to figure out. So I feel like they might actually have to start coming to experiencers to even fly these things. What do you think, Matthew? Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that they're they're the government's such a mess. It's just such a mess, and that's why disclosure is a mess. Because I think Shane is right. There's there's competing factions, um, and unfortunately we don't have the most intelligent people within government no. working on this at all. Um, in fact, I would say that there's not a bright bulb among them, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, not on, not that are working on this topic. Um, yeah. Otherwise they would know what it is, right? They would know just like I know. And, and there, I'm sure there are some of them watching this program right now that are thinking, Oh, you know, uh, what does this guy know? He, he did I'm a PhD. I don't. And, and that's exactly right. That that's exactly why you don't know, because you've been allowing the world and science and, and people of authority to tell you what to think and what to believe. And so that's what you think. And that's what you believe. And, and now you're in charge of, uh, the most important thing that's ever happened to humanity. And, and you're a nitwit. You know, um, oh my God. so, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I, behind closed doors, I work with a lot of really great people, um, that were my immediate coworkers. But when, when it came to this topic, the people that I knew, uh, they were not, they were not smart. Um, and that, that was, that was upsetting and off-putting and uh yeah it was that... shocking is is what i would say the word <laughs> the word is for that um well, i'll say that hearing was a good example of that yeah 
I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know how those guys sat upright. Not a, not a spine among them. Um, and then and they're there in front of Congress, uh, blowing smoke up everybody's you know what. Um, and it was it was shocking to see uh, such cowardice, to be honest. Um, but I, and it, you know, ignorance. I, yeah, ignorance. But you know, having met some of these people behind closed doors, I'm kind of like, well. Not surprising, you know. Uh, <laughs> they're idiots. Yeah. They're idiots. Oh, and, wow. um, we should all be very concerned about that. Um, so yeah. Uh, and I, I don't care about any flack I'm gonna get from UFO Twitter. How dare you call these people idiots? They are. No, they they're, are. They're <laughs> idiots. And, and the reason I can say that is because we don't all know about this. Right. If these were smart people, they would be like, hey, the whole world needs to know about this. We got to all figure this out. Right. But they're not doing that. They want to keep this a secret for what? <laughs> you know, yes. as as a whole, human humanity has done quite a lot wrong. And that's definitely one of those things like how like, oh, I don't know. We have some things visiting our planet, maybe living on the planet with us. Let's just pretend it's not there. <laughs> that's a very human, it's a very human thing though, for us to think we're the most important, even when stuff, we see stuff, we still think we're the most important thing. So we don't look, we're just like, what else could be out there besides us, right? Nothing better. Yeah, that's the, the thing. World. That's the thing that gets me like, it is super possible. Like I said earlier, that Bigfoot is just another you know, hominin that we've been overlooking and just like these goblins that they're talking about because there were hominins that were three feet tall. There were on two islands. I've just, you know, learned about that recently. They called them hobbits in like a affectionate way when they found them, but they were basically little humans. Okay. That existed alongside, you know, homo homo sapiens that were developing and for uh, for people to just like close the door on any possibility that anything other than Homo Homo sapiens is walking upright on the planet is crazy to me, you know? Like people just are like, no, if we haven't already read it in the encyclopedia, that is it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they, they think that the science is done. You're right. And I think that we've heard uh, some celebrity scientists get flack for that too right like oh they, yeah like whole, uh, neil degrasse tyson yeah. for example that's what yeah. i was gonna say <laughs> he was he was one of the last people on board this train mm -hmm. and uh people look at him now and they're just they just shake their heads like oh i can't i don't listen to anything he says at this point yeah if yeah. you're a scientist and you're just being that about the subject when it's like all right i mean he, he wouldn't even like being a normal scientist is not interested. He was downright still mocking people about it, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah so, I think the door started to open for him, though, because he's starting to make other statements like, well, you know, we didn't believe in dark matter, and now maybe, you know, like, so maybe the, the door is starting to open. And, and, you know, you hear a lot of other scientists coming forward who are like shouting from the rooftop we told you this was happening like eric davis and um jack safardi you know so on and so forth 
I think uh, Lou Elizondo, didn't he meet with uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson not too long ago? And I think some more change came out of that meeting. I, or was it Eric Weinstein he met with? I can't remember now. I don't, I don't know. I, I think Eric really wants to know I, more as, as a curious actually, scientist. I think Neil deGrasse, I think Neil met with uh, Lou because I saw a tweet about it and like his attitude really did a change after that. they just had a, a lunch or something like that. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. There's just so much evidence. I really don't understand it. Like, how many witnesses do you need? <laughs> right. There's, you know, there there's more empirical evidence for all of this uh, than there is for some things that people would consider to be hard fact within science. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah it's physics and and things, it's yeah. just, it blows my mind that uh, people are still on this train where it's like this does this isn't happening yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean the one of the big ones is the um whole multi my multi-dimensional theory right like there's scientists who are like that's a hundred percent true zero evidence not at all but they're like mathematically it's true now this has photos videos bajillions of witnesses physical effects you know, medical effects, mental health effects, um, you know, all just it goes on and on and on years and years of history. It's in the folklore. It's in the, the religious text. But no, not enough evidence for them. <laughs> all right. Yeah. You know, I, and I always say to people, uh, show me any other lie that people have been talking about for tens of thousands of years. Um Hmm. And, and if people have been talking about it for tens of thousands of years, there must be something there. The question is, what, what is it? You know, what is there? And that's what science should be trying to figure out. And they have no interest in it whatsoever. So, um, well, I'm just going to say, that's why you think they're idiots, but not for just, yeah. just cause. <laughs> <laughs> so a little known fact is um and i have mentioned this a, a little bit i don't know if people remember this but my dad was in the military and worked for the pentagon right um so i am actually someone who's been around military uh, a good portion of my life including you know going to walter reed for medical care uh, and i worked at bethesda, bethesda naval which is basically now walter reed um, you know, as a volunteer. So I can tell you from my experience, people in the military are just people. So when you said, you know, some of them are idiots, I'm like, yeah, okay, you're right. They're just, they're just people with uniforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So they need, they just need to like maybe open the doors a little bit for some people who know a little bit more, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. And the problem is that with a lot of these compartmentalized things, people end up getting handpicked by other people. And so mm. you can see how things get like handed from one idiot down to the next idiot. Right. Because, oh, this guy's just like me. He, he's an idiot just like I am. So he's going to get this program next, you know, and and I I don't know. Maybe I'm running my mouth too much, but I, I this is just the way I feel about it. Yeah. yeah, but look at what happened with RuPaul, right? He was only there for like a couple of years and they weren't really happy with him and he wasn't really happy with them. And then they just kind of found someone who was better at debunking. You know, that's what they essentially did. 
Um, it was always what did they want to have interact with the public? And that's, you know, and Heineck eventually got sick of it and came out and created the Center for UFO Studies, you know, like as a result. But but like the government, yeah, they're going to they're going to have their I don't want to say stooges, but they're going to have their little people that they toss in and say, you just do this. OK, you take care of this. Yeah. But. I would like to think that behind the scenes, that's not the case, though. Not, you know, it's not all the people who went to the hearing not knowing that UFOs were around nuclear sites. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, I, I those guys, I just, um, I mean, I, I think that that's pretty typical of the people who are involved in this. So, Ugh. yeah, and I think that's that's why we the public is is left in the dark when it comes to this, um, unfortunately, because that I think that's the majority of people who are involved in this. And, you know, I, I, I think that those guys, um, they, they, they probably know things, but they were, I, they were, they were being disingenuous at best and, and lying, um, to Congress, I think at, at the very least. I mean, I, I, I don't know how they've gotten away with that, and have kept their uniforms i don't know why i don't know how you can sit there with no spine and wear that uniform first of all i agree i mean how how, how does that work how do you sleep at night i mean are are you really that do you think dumb? it's do you think it's willful willful ignorance like they're just saying that so they can keep it a secret or you think it's just that I, I i really think that they're just like these um smarmy will say anything do anything to 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 please self-serving yeah exactly and and it's like you're how, how can you do that in that uniform that's not what that uniform is about that uniform is about you are a leader right and so mm -hmm. you should lead this topic for congress you don't sit there and, and and turn into a puddle of mud and and you don't know which way is up anymore and and poor innocent little you you're just so incompetent that you don't know what you're doing all of a sudden and 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 we're supposed to believe that i mean it's just it was it was really a disgusting disgusting yeah. thing that we saw they, they looked incompetent yeah I, they didn't know anything or how to freeze frame yeah i know i like to prepare to freeze frame even so i think one thing that really upset me was also just so much time was spent on what was essentially debunked information like yeah. i think we're kind of past that we get it people can debunk things yes there's fake stuff yes there's a misunderstanding we get that but that's not the point the point is there are real objects in the sky or water and we don't know what they are let's get to it okay and so like to waste that time just going over that again. I think that was probably one of the more upsetting things for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and anybody watching that who has uh, two brain cells to rub together knew better, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know. I don't know how you put on that uniform and act like you are someone that should be wearing that. Right. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> It, uh, it blows I, my mind. I am totally blown away by that. You tell me. Uh, I agree. Same thing, though, with our Congress. 
the questions yeah. were lame. It's like, did anybody even bother for no one bothered to ask? Okay. So if we had project grudge sign and blue book, where are all those files? Right. Right. And, I know okay, where a lot gone. of them. Why are they gone? You know, it, where, are they, where are they at? Yeah. I will tell you, I know where a lot of those are because I found them. They're on the UFO connector, but a lot of things are missing. Yeah, well, like Grudge, they burned the whole thing, you know, right? And why would you burn something? Because you can still go back now and find files from 50, 60 years ago. But when you burn a whole entire series, there's something there that you want to keep hidden. And yeah. Why would you hide something that's not there? And multiple programs have done that. So, and there are some files that have come through and all these other things, but I couldn't believe no one, none of congressmen said, okay, I know we had these, where are those files? Mm -hmm. And they were intentionally destroyed. It's not like they were lost. It says everywhere you go, they were intentionally destroyed. Yeah, I, I think I ended up writing all the reasons Revolt took files out. Uh, and some of them were ones where people wrote a report, had him come in, talk to him about it, and then they just threw it out because it was too inflammatory like they didn't put it in formally they like said here read this report and then they threw it out like so can you imagine how many other times that's happened over the years like how many times someone sat down and said this is what's happened over say you know our base uh people are freaking out uh, you know you know what? A good example. Already, Six Killer Clark talked about some incidents Indigenous people told her about. They had to have had some reports about them. No one has heard of them. You know? So, yeah, they probably just tossed all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay. The work continues, my friends. The work continues. So, <laughs> we definitely kept you longer than I meant it's to. Okay. by by quite a lot. I enjoyed I know, it. Yeah, I know you have some socializing to go do. I don't want to keep you um, away from all that. Hopefully, you'll catch more people out there. Um, Matthew, did you have any final questions before we say goodbye to Shane? Yeah, I mean, just Shane, uh, why don't you let us know what you got coming up, what you're working on, um, what the future holds? Okay. Um, well, I've got this podcast, the Roswell UFO Symposium, that I got, I'm fortunate enough that uh, Roswell Daily Record sponsors us. I'm down here because of them at the UFO Congress and kind of interacting with people that I normally wouldn't interact with. So I've got that going on. I'm going to be holding more spaces on the topic. I'm just going to be talking about the things that I know, my experience, mental health, um, recovery on that aspect, and Wounded Warrior because they helped me, right? But on top of that, I use this platform now just to do what you did, Matthew. You wrote a book. I don't write but I do talk and I can talk a lot. Not in person, obviously, that's socially awkward. But on these things, I can do a lot. <laughs> but no, so I, I, I'm working my butt off to basically speak to all these things, help people out. I've got, a, I've got a new camera, which I'm excited about. So I'm gonna be doing a lot more, I guess, content around this subject. And when I say content, I don't necessarily speak about the same thing as a lot of people do when they talk about UAPs. I kind of relate it to my experience and usually it's around mental health type things or kind of a different, like Deb said earlier, I work around it, right? Because in my experience, everything else was the, the, the UAP was easy. It was the other shit I was dealing with outside of that, that all commingled, that was really difficult. So I think there's a lot of work we could do. And I know you're one of the ones doing it with Ted Rowe too. So mm -hmm. that's important stuff. That's super important stuff. So yeah, I thank I'd, you. 
I would really appreciate it if you want to come back and talk about PTSD at some will, point. Anytime. Yeah, that I'm would definitely came, help Matthew. us. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad I was here. Thanks. Jim. Yeah. Matthew, do you want to tell us where you're going to be or where we can find you? Uh, I don't know. I've got, uh, I've got a couple of podcasts coming up, maybe some TV stuff. So, um, we'll see. <laughs> I know you yeah. were like TV famous right <laughs> before yeah. I got to talk to you last time. I was excited. <laughs> was I TV famous? Don't you remember? I was like, oh, Matthew, I just saw you on TV. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was that that witness UFO. um, I think so. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Ben Hansen. I think so. Yeah, and then I've I've got another book that I'm writing. Uh, Working title is Master of Animals. Um, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and it's Hmm. coming together slowly. I've been reading uh, show stuff like Schopenhauer um, for this, but it's it's basically going to be centered on kind of like uh mental health and how to how awesome. to how to bring these things together um and and kind of think about them and mold them over in your own mind uh it's gonna uh, it's interesting it's interesting i'm loving mm. i'm loving working on it so um, yeah I've, i have two suggestions wait. for this matthew one okay. consider adding the word zen to everything <laughs> it just makes it flow more right the Zen of animals, etc. You know, yeah, like, yeah. and then the the other one is, um, don't forget to ask those muses to help. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah, I, I have that voice that I hear mm-hmm. um, upon waking mm-hmm. um, that tells me what to read. So that's been very helpful. Okay. <laughs> you know, I've heard that. But um, can I ask you something, Matt? Christopher yeah. Wolford said something about that one time, and I, same thing. Like you know where to, what books to go to and where to go in those. That's yeah. I never I didn't know that about you. So yeah, actually, same. yeah, and and there are some things, something, some things that you know are not as obvious that I'll have to hear from the voice, but then there are other things that I can just kind of feel it out, and then I'm I know, I know where I'm going. You know, I know what direction to take it in. Uh, it's very interesting consciousness, the way that works. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, I don't want to. No, I just, I think we're going to get there in a technological way soon. Also, I think we're getting to, you know, there's a parallel between the internet and collective consciousness. So yeah, all of this is going to be much more interesting in the years to come including when we start genetically making our own grays that's going to come you know it's going to come we're already 3d printing organs right Uh so all of the cool stuff guys we got to keep our eyes on it um for anyone who's not aware you can already buy a personal saucer they have them by the way just so you know it's like a big drone i was Uh watching you you could you know remember when jetpacks were like what that's crazy they have them now so Uh um Darp is working on the telepathy and the moving craft with your brain. We already got the metamaterial work going on. They've got two types of cloaking, including the super dark black paint. And then there's the other one that is a little harder to get information on. But there's some videos on the, the webs about it. 
so yeah, keep keep doing the work, guys, because this, this is a very interesting time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to speak to me. And Thank you for having me, Deb. You are Thanks, welcome. Deb. Definitely wanted to have you guys again one day when we're back to working on solving the puzzle. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. This is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. If anyone needs me, they can find me at LinkedIn, Twitter, so on and so forth, at Study of UAPs, or with Calling All Beings on YouTube. Um, have a great time, everyone. We've got so much work to do. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye.